Just our real estate episode number 107. You know, some lessons are uh, best learned by screwing up yourself, right? <laughs> it's inevitable. And, yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host and I am thrilled that you are with me today. I'm really excited about it. And before we get started, because we have a great interview today with a really, really, really cool guy. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to let you know that my coaching program is off the ground. I am coaching some students in the month of March that are just phenomenal and they're going to do phenomenal things in their business. I am working very hard to not only make sure that I have a great year personally, but I'm working hard to make sure that my students have a great year as well. And I'm excited about what's going on. I'm excited about what they have going on and what they're doing in their businesses. So it's been a lot of fun so far and I think it's really beneficial to them and I would love to have you as a student as well if you're interested obviously the month of March is almost over so I'm accepting applications now for the month of April if you would like to get in on it and like to find out what it's all about and possibly become a student of mine all you have to do is go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash coach and all the information you need to know to get started and to apply is right there. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I'm looking forward to really helping some people out in their business in 2014 and make it a fantastic year. Also, I would really appreciate it if you get a moment when you go to my website at juststartrealestate.com. On the right-hand side, there's a place that you can sign up for my mailing list. And I would really appreciate it if you would do that because if you do, I will send you immediately the top five resources that you should be using in your business. So whether or not I am your mentor or your coach or you apply to my, my uh, program to be one of my students, Either way, you should sign up for my mailing list because these resources that I'm going to send you are really important to your business and they're really going to be able to help you this year have a better business and be more successful. I use these resources all the time and I really think that you should too. So if you could go there and check that out, I would really appreciate it. Now, on to the show. All right, thank you for joining me again on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here very much, and I am super excited about my guest today. Today on the line, I have Phil Dwyer, and Phil is a, a property manager in Las Vegas, and he started his, his real estate uh, journey in Metro Detroit, actually, as an appraiser, as a house appraiser in 2003. And he moved to Las Vegas in 2006 and started Dwyer Home Appraisals. Since then, Phil has changed his focus to, like I said, property management and sales, and he manages mostly single-family residential properties in, Las, in the Las Vegas suburbs. So welcome to the show. Phil, I'm super excited to have you here, and I can't wait to dive into this. I've got a lot of questions. Mike, I'm, I'm happy too. Thanks for inviting me. I think this is going to be a lot of fun today. Yeah, I, I'm excited, and uh, I'm going to run this a little bit differently. A lot of my interviews, I sort of pre, I, I have a lot of questions prepared ahead of time that are kind of standard that I ask a lot of real estate investors to get their um, to get their insight, but I want to do this a little bit differently, and, and we talked a bit before the show, and uh, most of my listeners know that I'm really trying to focus uh, a big chunk of my efforts this year on, on residential uh, rentals. I, I want to build a portfolio 
of uh, buy and hold properties. So I've got a lot of questions and I really want to hear your insights and, and some of the things to avoid and what you see people doing that maybe they shouldn't be doing. So let's dive in. But before we do, let's get a, just a little bit deeper into your background. Kind of tell us how you started. I, I know it was in appraisals and things, but give us an idea of where you came from, maybe even a little bit before real estate. Like what was your background? And then catch us up to what you're doing right now. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Wisconsin, actually, and uh, growing up, my, my grandfather, he actually had a bunch of rental properties, and um, he was lucky in that he was a teacher, so in the summer times, he had time off to go you know, paint the houses, mow the lawns, all that good stuff. Um, and so I had a little bit of exposure there, but had no idea I'd have an interest in it later in life. Um, I got into appraising through some friends of mine, uh, that actually liked the profession they picked when they got out of uh, college. And uh, I, every time we'd meet up for some type of uh, get-together uh, back at uh, our hometown, they'd always be talking about how they enjoyed it. So um, finally, I, I got the urge to check it out. And um, when one particular friend had the opportunity to open up a branch for his company in Detroit, I jumped on it, moved out there with him, and uh, the rest is history, I guess, as far as starting out. <laughs> okay. um, we did that for three years, and I knew relatively soon into it that I, the sun was calling my name. I had enough of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we still have a ton of great friends there. And the, uh, the market is, uh, for what you want to do, is, is, as far as I understand, is still pretty ripe for opportunity. Yeah, it it's really is. It's really great, actually. Cool. Yeah. So the sun was calling your name. I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to be in, in Detroit right now because it's, it's it's really <laughs> nice. It's 45 and we're just, it's a scorcher for us. So uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think it was like 52 this morning when I woke up and that was, I don't know, it's freezing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, it's a completely different mindset when it's normally 80 and it's 62, you're freezing. And when it's normally, you know, zero here and it gets up to 45, we're all peeling off our coats and, and putting on our shorts. So it's, that's a difference of uh, perspective. I guess. Yeah, the first year we moved out here, uh, it was December, and I was playing basketball uh, in with my shorts and t-shirt on when it was like 50 degrees outside, and people were looking at me funny. Um, and um, now I'm I'm turned into kind of a wuss, I guess, because uh, uh, you just become acclimated. Yeah, you've lost your tolerance for the cold. So, and you came from Wisconsin, so I mean, you were no stranger to cold weather when you got to Detroit. There was no real adjustment for you there, but. Yeah, you had to adjust in Las Vegas, I assume, but adjust in the good way, I suppose. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so what does your business look like right now in, in Las Vegas? Let's let's kind of get an idea of the scope of it here. Uh, you've been there since 2006, and you started your own uh, company. So what what does it look like now? How many, how many properties or how many units, I guess, is how you'd say it? How many units are you managing? And, and uh, what, what do your clients look like? What, what kind of investment properties are they holding? And yeah, just kind of give us an idea. Well, um, you know, our market here is um, obviously much different than, than the Detroit market. Um, we are, you know, a tourist destination kind of town. And we have a lot of retirement communities here that are uh, you have to be 55 or older to live in, um, and that's you know re regular residential houses with you know thousands in a in a community that are like that. Right. Um, so uh, 
as far as my role and makeup of my portfolio that I manage, um, I'd say at least half of the clients that I deal with are not local. There are people that have invested money here uh, either on purpose or they inherited a property from a mom and dad or, or whatever. Sure. But um, the bulk of that uh, coming from California and the West Coast uh, it's just an easy uh, destination for them. And then um, the other part of my clients, I would say, are you know locals that are investors or um, people that have moved up and bought a bigger house and want to rent out the one that they had before. Okay. Um, as far as number goes, uh, I manage about 50 single-family properties. Okay. Uh, a couple of those are townhouses, but almost everything's a uh, detached single-family home. Okay. All right. And then... So how does the how does the real estate market differ? I, obviously, I think cost is is a big difference between like say the Midwest here in Michigan and where you are now. But what what are the what are the values of the homes that you're managing, and what are the typical rents that you see in that particular area that you're in? So um, our the bulk of our housing stock is significantly newer uh, than uh, a city like Detroit or Chicago or. Uh, you know, you name a, a Midwestern city, um, you know, Detroit, probably the bulk of the houses uh, in the in the city and first ring suburbs are, you know, 1920s through 1960s. Sure. Um, here, most of our stuff was built in the 90s to 2006, wow. 2007. So, you know, the most of what I manage is uh, less than 30 years old. Uh, and probably most of it is actually, you know, maybe 15 or 15 years or less. So that in itself makes it different, right? Um, we don't have the, the aging problems yet that, you know, yeah. some of the older homes in your, ne your uh, neck of the woods would have. Um, other things that make it different, uh, would be, uh, landscape issues. Uh, you know, we, we're not mowing lawns and things like that here. Uh, like you guys do, we have, you know, pretty much desert landscaping. Right. Um, and then as far as pricing is concerned, um, on average, we're probably quite a bit higher than you guys. Um, and, but the rents aren't necessarily, uh, Vegas, if you're a renter, you get quite a bit of house for, um, for your money. Um, for instance, uh, in your market, um, I know you can, you know, get houses uh, on the buy side probably for you know forty to fifty grand or less uh, that rent out for eight hundred or nine hundred bucks a month. Yeah, you're you're uh, spot on actually. Yeah, and um, I still watch it a little bit even though I moved away. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say that's uh, a pretty good doggone good guess if you're just guessing. And then um, you know, out here, uh, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house might rent for. Uh, you know, it's probably nine hundred to eleven hundred, depending on uh, you know the location in the city. Okay, all right, that that's uh, that's interesting to to know. And I, I don't know, I, I really don't invest in Vegas, obviously, but um, it's interesting to know. Is I don't know if that's a hot market for for uh, investors to go and try to scoop up properties and and buy I'm, because you know you're also yeah maybe the rents are are not like high compared to the buy in like in Michigan, but it's also a really desirable location, right? I mm -hmm. mean, there's there's a lot of people, I'm sure, who want to have a rental house out there or want to uh, rent a house or just be in, in that part of the world because it's, it like you said, it's a destination location. So um, that's interesting, though. Uh, now, 
as far as being a property management company, I'm sure that you see, and this is really big for me because like I said, I'm, I'm relatively new to, to rentals and buy and hold real estate. So what are some of the mistakes that you see some of these investors making on their houses or how, how, what advice would you give to a new landlord or someone who wants to become a landlord and they're going to hire a, a property management company in their area? What should they look out for? What should they be asking? Like, how do you approach that intelligently? Uh, I think first off is uh, one of the biggest mistakes is um, not having enough reserves. And um, so that, that comes into play way before you even buy the property. Right. Um, underestimating what it's going to take to keep a property functioning is a common mistake. Um, so, you know, houses wear out just like cars wear out, shoes wear out, you know, uh, you have to maintain things and that costs money. Even if you buy a brand new house, something is going to break at some point in the time horizon. Yeah. So, you know, not accounting for that both on um, your return calculations, which I see a lot people underestimate uh, the maintenance, uh, ongoing maintenance and how that impacts your ROI, but an air conditioner when it blows out, you know. Gotcha. So, um, those are the two big things. And then, um, as far as, uh, you know, you really need to know the market in which you plan on buying your property. Um, probably you could attest to this in your market. Um, I see this all the time online where people are offering, you know, these $5,000 houses in, uh, parts of the city and, um, you being local probably wouldn't touch those with anybody's money. No. And, no. Um, whereas the same $5,000 investment, you might be able to buy something in a different part of the Metro that totally makes sense. Um, you know, after you do some repairs and stuff like that. Sure. Um, so, you know, I would say if you're not investing in your backyard, you need to have, uh, a team of people on the ground that can really help you uh, do the research that you need to do, um, before you even acquire something. Okay. And that, that's really good information. That's, I mean, it's good insight because I know you're right, especially in the Detroit market. It's it from an ROI standpoint and strictly if you look at the numbers, it looks like a gold mine, right? But mm -hmm. having lived in the area like you have and, and, and I do, you know darn well, just because the numbers are good on paper, that doesn't mean you'll ever, ever rent it or you'll ever keep it from being vandalized or whatever the case may be. It's just in a bad area, maybe. So a $5,000 house that on paper should rent for, you know, six or $700 a month, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to that story that you're not understanding if that's all you're looking at as a number. So I think that's an excellent point. Now, you mentioned reserves and that one of the mistakes that people make is they don't have enough reserves just generally speaking, when people are trying to figure out their ROI, like you mentioned, and you're right, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of calculations in, in terms of ROI where people are leaving out some critical things and, and they're kind of convincing themselves that they have a good investment when maybe they really don't because they're not adding in vacancies, you know, they're not adding in the cost of maintenance or whatever the case may be. What advice do you have people as far as the the maintenance costs in in terms of percentage? What do you see people normally doing for that? I know it probably varies in the market and in the age of the house, but I'll just tell you where I am. So I'm not, I'm not trying to lead you to an answer, but I I've heard people say 10%, um, 
of your operating costs or 10% of, of what you're taking in should be held back for, for maintenance. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a strategy a lot of people use. Uh, uh, a lot of people, when they're figuring out the return, uh, they'll take uh, the gross income and uh, basically apply what a lot of people call the 50% rule, just as a rule of thumb, mm-hmm. which is, you know, after every all of your expenses, you know, management included, um, you expect that, you know, 50% of uh, of your uh, gross income will go towards expenses right. and you know obviously every market's different every house is different every you know rents are different in certain areas so the that percentage that percentage could have a range that would work in your market but i think that's a good place to start and then you know i guess it also depends on your timeline that you plan to hold um, most people plan if they're getting a rental property that they're going to hold it for more than a year it's usually you know five years, ten years, fifteen years, something like that. Yeah. So uh, if you buy a brand new house, you still need to account over that period how much you should be holding back, even though you know you're not going to probably have to pay for anything for five to ten years out. Um, but you know you need to make have that there or planned for. Uh, conversely, you know um, in a market like yours, maybe you get a, a fixer upper. And you rehab the whole thing. You've gutted it and put all new stuff in, all new mechanicals, all new kitchen, bathrooms, all that stuff. Um, even though it's new, some of it's going to wear out over time. So you'll want to figure out what the economic life of those separate items are. Yeah. And then um, you know, break it down into how many years and months and then you know, go about it that way. Yep, that and that makes a lot of sense. Um, you're right. I, I guess if it's a new house, you don't have tons of repairs right away. If it's an older house that you've just completely gutted, I mean, again, everything should be relatively new, so you don't have that issue. But a lot of times, people are buying somewhere in the middle, right? They're buying an, yep. a kind of an older house, doing a little bit to it, and then there's those ongoing maintenance costs, <clears throat> and that's where I see people sometimes getting themselves in trouble. At least from a from a calculation standpoint, they're not calculating in, they're not factoring in the fact that the roof might only have a few years left or the furnace is 30 years old so i you know that's that's key and i think that's you know a lot of times where a good deal looks great and then you know five years in you haven't made any money and in fact you have negative cash flow because of all the repairs and, and maintenance and things like that and then you know your, your point about knowing your market obviously if you have a lot of vacancies and you don't hold enough money back for maintenance costs i mean what looked like a good investment is just a disaster. I mean, you have you virtually are just just hemorrhaging money at that point. So that's important. Now, for people again, th- this you know this podcast is called Just Start Real Estate, and I, I'm purposely targeting and really really trying to cater to the really new investor or the investor who's who's only done a couple of deals or maybe has one rental and, and is trying to expand beyond that. So when we're talking about property management, when do you think it's a good time to transition from managing your own properties to turning it over to a management company, or should you do it right from the get go? Um, I, I guess that depends. If you have the ability to invest in your backyard and you can adequately dedicate time to um, vacancies when they're vacant, um, spending the time to lease them up yourself. And as on, you know, usually once you get a tenant in place there uh, the, and the property's performing, there are less, uh, there's less time involved. Um, you know, you're going to have the occasional repair or something like that to deal with. But um, most of the time is spent 
in transition from tenant to tenant. Um, so I would say if, if you're investing in your backyard and you get to the point where you can no longer adequately spend the time to get the transitions uh, to happen quickly and um, adequately spend time vetting tenants and uh, training tenants, that's time for you to give it over to a professional. Yeah. 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 Go, go ahead. Well, conversely, if you're investing out of your market area, then I think you need to explore that option right away. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I think for me in, in my business, I'm I'm factoring in management fees right from the beginning, whether I'm going to manage it myself or not, because at some point the portfolio could grow, like you said, to the point that I can't adequately manage. And then if and when I have to do that, um, you know, if the money's are, if the money's already calculated in, then I think I'm, I'm safe. And that's kind of what I suggest to other people. If you never use a management company, then then great. You know, you've got it. You got it factored in there. But when you're trying to decide if if what you're gonna purchase is gonna be a good deal for you in terms of ROI or cash flow, you should put that cost in there. In my opinion, you should put it in there because you don't know if you're gonna go that route at some point. You want that factored in, so it's still a good deal uh, for you, even if you're if you're having someone manage that property for you. And you know, the the cool thing about people that are good at what they do. Uh, property managers, real estate agents, uh, whatever, uh, plumbers. If they're good at what they do, they usually like to share, and they're not scared of not getting a deal. And so if you're investing in your backyard and you're brand new at this, um, take a couple of property managers in your area that you know uh, have a good reputation. Take them out to lunch and, uh, you know, with, you know, being open that what you plan on doing is just, uh, asking questions and and talking shop, and I and I will bet you that most of them will say yes and take you up on it. I mean, obviously they're busy, but you know if you buy them lunch and say, hey, you know I, I'm getting into this and I plan on managing these myself, um, but I really love your input. Most of them are going to say yes, and you know what? I mean, that part of that is just paying back, you know, for their yeah. success. Yeah. And the other part of it is, you know what? If you end up being super successful, they know that at some point business is going to come back to them. So um, they're happy to share. I love that. Man, I love that suggestion. And I think that it's been a theme with a lot of people that I've interviewed uh, over the last several months here, especially people who are really good at what they do, like you said. Um, that's always a suggestion. Get out there and, and find someone and take them out to lunch. You know, if you're trying to be, you know, a good person, house flipper find someone in your ear who's good at it and take them out to lunch and pick their brain and be very honest you know what, what you're trying to do and like you said most people who are really good at what they do don't feel threatened and and they're not defensive and they're just open and willing to answer some questions as long as you don't waste their time and you know you're you're trying to you know be respectful of that time because you, like you said they're very very busy i'm sure um but i love that it's a great suggestion just call call them up find some with good reputations and, and take them out to lunch and, and ask some questions i think that's awesome um I really like that because, you know, a lot of people are afraid to get out there and, and network and meet with people and, and try to, you know, they try to figure everything out on their own. <clears throat> and I think a lot of times that's a recipe for disaster if you try to be, you know, basically everything to yourself and your business and you're on an island like that. It's it's tough. You have to get out there and meet people and networking and, and talking to people is really the best way to shortcut your education in uh in real estate or anything, really, I guess. I mean, I don't know. When you went out to Vegas and you started your company, did you did you network? Did you meet people out there and, and, and find out what they were doing and what works? Or did you kind of just dig in and figure it out on your own? Both. I mean, you know, some lessons are 
best learned by screwing up yourself, right? <laughs> it's inevitable. <laughs> and, yeah, and um, yeah, I would argue that the people that uh, most of the time successful people have made a ton of mistakes, and that's and they learn from them just by you know get, sticking their neck out there and and falling on their face and picking themselves back up and saying, you know, I don't want to do that again. How do we not do that again? <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, the, the, the flip side is, you know, it's also great to learn from other people's mistakes and what they've done to uh, that's been successful and sharing ideas, the whole idea of collaborating, even if it's with your competitor. Um, you know, the, the pie isn't just this one set size. It can be infinitely grown uh, by throwing ideas at it. So, um, you know, whether it's your competitors or people that are touching the same people that you want to do business with, get with them and talk about what you're trying to do and, and see what they have to say about it. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and I wanted to ask you too, you kind of made me think about it a little bit as we're talking about people starting their business and getting going. How did you start when you went to Las Vegas and moved out there? Um, I'm assuming you weren't familiar with uh, uh, the real estate market and you didn't have a lot of connections. How did you go about building your company when you moved out there? What was your strategy? Well, um, you have to have a plan in place. Sure. Um, you know, part of it was fake it till you make it, but um, that that you can't just live on that alone. So, <laughs> right. uh, we had some clients uh, from Michigan that I I was able to take with me to Vegas. That um, and in the appraisal industry, you know, for the most part on the residential side, you're doing business uh, business to business and not business to consumer. So, um, with that said, a lot of the lending clients we had were national footprint type lenders and. Uh, we were able to, um, you know, transition over here relatively easily. Easily, um, so that helped. But then uh, to actually learn the market, uh, that's the trickiest part. And I was fortunate; I knew a couple of appraisers out here already, and um, through you know networking and friends and whatnot. And uh, I did just what I told you, you know, I'd take them to lunch and say, you know, ask them questions and yeah. uh, you know buy them a beer or whatever it took to. Uh, to uh, have them share info with me and ideas and uh, the other part was just you know diving in you know start yeah. looking at the data and um, learn as much as you can and uh, that's one thing I do I mean even when I think I'm getting close to mastering something you got to have that desire to learn and and constantly be learning because you can never know it all no, and, and yeah, you're so right, and that's that's very cool. I like to hear how you did that. I always like to hear how people build their businesses and their strategies and how they go about it. So, and I think that fake it till you make it, like you said, you can only live on that for so long. And I think it's a part of starting, I guess, any business really. Um, but you know, like you said, you make mistakes, and really successful people make mistakes. And honestly, if you're not making mistakes, and I've said this before, and I don't think I came up with this on my own, but if you're not making mistakes, you're really not trying that hard. You're not really pushing yourself, and you're not taking massive action. Because if you do take massive action, and you're really pushing, you're you're going to make mistakes. Even if you're if you're consulting with people, and you have people talking, you know, helping you along the way, if you try hard enough, you're you know you're bound hundred miles an hour. You're bound to hit something at some point. So. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing about life and business and investing is, um, you know, if you have, if you take no risk, um, so if starting a business, you know, if you're not going to take any risk, your return probably isn't, or your upside isn't going to be uh, as big, 
you right. know, or the potential right. isn't going to be as big. So you're playing it safe the whole time. And, and while I, I don't advocate, um, you know, just being crazy risky, uh, I do advocate sticking yourself out there um, and, you know, get rid of the fear a little bit because uh, that's what's going to help you get to where you need to get to. Yep, that's absolutely true. Now, I want to ask you too, as an entrepreneur, um, and, and a lot of people listening to me are either entrepreneurs or they're working a day job and they want to transition or they want to kind of become a little bit more entrepreneurial. So I know that to be an entrepreneur, you've, you've, you've got to have systems, you've got to have tools in place and things like that. If you don't mind, can you share maybe some tools that you use in your business? Could be software, could be hardware, could be something, a physical product, could be a system, but something that you use that sort of helps you stay on task or helps you and your, and, uh, your team stay on on the same page and, and kind of manage things so that you're all in sync. Any, any tools of the trade that you can share with any with everybody? Well, I mean, I, as it relates to your audience, um, well, on the property management side, obviously there are uh, industry softwares that are available for, uh, for a fee that you pay for, and that helps organize the, the bulk of the, the business data. Uh, our company, we use Appfolio. Uh, there are several softwares out there um, but for the for the guys starting out uh, with a couple of properties yeah I think you I mean that's getting kind of ahead of yourself um, okay. I, I don't know that you know if you're gonna manage your own property that you really need to have all this robust software I think you need to have a system and that system could be you know uh, QuickBooks I think they have a, a plug-in for rentals or um, you know, even a, an Excel spreadsheet that you use to track everything. Um, as long as you're tracking it and it's organized, I think that's that's plenty. Yeah. Um, and like anything, I I don't know who, who said this. I mean, Stephen Covey or one of those people. But you know, if you track it, it gets done. Yep. Um, if you if you don't, you know, you, you're not thinking about it, and you're probably not going to get it done. So. Um, you know, tracking expenses is important so you can know how to adjust over time. Uh, tracking uh, the uh, the calls that you get on your rentals for for vacancies, and uh, so you can follow up. All that stuff's really important. Yeah. Um, and actually, there's a really cool book that I like. Uh, I just finished up a month or so uh, reading it. I think is awesome for uh, first time uh, people buying rentals. Cool. Let's hear it. And uh, it's by Mike. Butler, and I think it's called Landlording on Autopilot. Um, he puts a lot of these, you know, systems in place. They're not robust software or anything. It's just the idea that here's how we're going to run our business to make it efficient. So um, they have ideas on there with, um, you know, how showings should go, how you can schedule showings um, to make it more efficient, and so you're not running every time somebody calls, things like that. And he's got a lot of forms and stuff on there that you could um, apply to your business as far as um, stuff to go in a lease or uh, marketing and things like that. That's awesome. I've actually heard of Mike Butler before. I know someone who has uh, quite a few rentals and, and uses some of his stuff. So just so everyone listening knows, that we're going to have all this that we're talking about, all the tools and, and all the resources that, uh, that Phil has mentioned. And you can get those at juststartrealestate.com forward slash Phil Dwyer, and that's spelled P-H-I-L 
D-W-Y-E-R, juststartrealestate.com forward slash Phil Dwyer. And I'm going to have all these resources on there because these are these are very cool. I like that. Now, for your company, Phil, going forward, what are your plans? What are, what are your plans for the future? What are you aspiring to do there in uh, Las Vegas other than enjoy the sun and the great weather? What is it <laughs> What is it from a business perspective? What are you what are your plans? Well, um, you know, we always want to be better. Uh, and how do you differentiate yourself from the competition? Yep. Um, we have a lot of property managers in our market uh, because we have so many out-of-state investors. So the competition is is stiff, and we need to constantly reinvent ourselves, or maybe that's the wrong word, but at least polish what yeah. we're doing so that we can, you know, deliver a quality product at the price we want to charge, and um, something that you know people can feel good about uh, doing business with us. So um, that's stuff that I research constantly. I figure if I, if that's my focus, then the second goal, you know, which is to grow your business, that will happen. Yeah. So you know, my, I focus on the quality of the service and eventually it'll grow. It's a slower path to growth. I mean, I could dump all of our funds into marketing and, and things like that. Um, but my thought is, you know, let's just keep trying to get more efficient and, and better and the business will come. Yeah. So, um, you know, for, for an investor, I think it's the same thing when you're first starting out. The, what you want to do, I mean, you're basically, you're providing a service, right? You're providing yep. a roof over somebody's head. Yep. And, you know, if you're a buy and hold person, I guess it's the same if you're a flipper, but, you know, it, it, the timeline's different. Sure. And so how do you differentiate your product, your service, and, you know, how do you get people talking about you? How do you make it efficient? How do you get people uh, to want to rent your place uh, over all the other rentals that are on the same street? And um, I think a few of those things uh, could be applied to both property managers and investors. Um, one thing that we've noticed in our market, uh, the bar seems to be set pretty low on the marketing side to prospective tenants. Okay. And so that's a big focus for us. Um, what do I mean by that? Um, simple things like signage uh, that looks n nice and professional, uh, how you present the property uh, to prospective tenants in terms of uh, cleanliness and uh, physical condition. And then, um, as you know, even in your market, probably a lot of people are looking online, either on Craigslist yeah. or, or wherever else. Yep. And how do you make that marketing stand out from everybody else? How do you? Well, I, <laughs> a good I think, uh, you know, it is a good question, but you know, and it can, it's something that I don't think is ever completely done, right? You can always make it better. But, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, simple things like uh, photography. Um, I don't think you need a $5,000 camera system. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, uh, a phone on your, on, or a camera on your phone is going to cut it either. Right. Um, I think, you know, investing in a camera with a decent wide angle lens and, uh, making sure the lighting is good in the house and take a lot of photos and make sure that, you know, um, it, it they're descriptive, right? I mean, that's telling the story for you. So, 
uh, take good photos. I think that in itself will drive a lot of traffic to your rentals. Yeah, it is amazing how many people take pictures of their houses on the inside and put them up online where it's like it's, clearly it's dark outside. You know, it's like it's midnight or something and it's pitch dark and it just doesn't look as good. A nice bright room with the sun coming in always looks a lot better. And I, I, I always try to do that for my flips. Uh, you know, the pictures are important. I totally agree. I mean, people fall in love with houses sometimes before they even get to them because of the pictures they see online. So that's that's a really good point. And I, you know, I, I don't want to gloss over. You mentioned something uh, a few moments ago about basically you're building your business. It sounds to me, if I can paraphrase, by by delivering more value as opposed to a marketing blitz that drives people to you only to be disappointed because your your efforts are all in the marketing and not in delivering value. It sounds like you're doing it the other way around. You're trying to deliver value and let that foundation grow very strong so you have return customers and people who are happy with you. And I think that that's a really great point to make, and I think it's a, it's a way that people should run their business. Like you said, no matter where you are, delivering value and, and trying to build something that people really can can use is great as opposed to just you know driving a thousand people to your website a day or to your company a day and then you know there's nothing allocated to actually trying to retain those those customers so i think that's an important point I'm, I'm glad you made it and i think it it shows that that's how you do stand out if you if there's so many property management companies around you I guarantee they're not all using that philosophy. I just, I know they're not. And that's what will make you stand out. So that's, that's very cool. Thanks. So, all right, how can people get a hold of you? I know I have listeners in Las Vegas and I'm not just saying that I know I do because I track it and I guarantee some of them are buying hold guys. So how can they get a hold of you or for that matter, anybody anywhere in the world, if you, if you are thinking about buying properties in Vegas or you have properties in Vegas, you definitely should find uh, Phil, get a hold of them and talk to him and make sure you're getting, you know, the best service that you can get. So how can they get a hold of you? Websites, Facebook, phone numbers, whatever, whatever you think is, is pertinent. Sure. Um, I'm on a, all kinds of real estate forums. Uh, the, my personal website is vegasdigs.com. That's D-I-G-S.com. And that's where all of my uh, tenants go to find properties and owners can find out about me. Okay. You can find me on Bigger Pockets. I'm always trolling around on their forums and uh, giving advice and uh and arguing with people on there, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I found you, by the way. And I don't mind plugging them at all because I, I love those guys. I love their site. That's exactly where we hooked up. We we connected on, on Bigger Pockets, and then I invited you on the show. So I could tell you knew exactly what you were talking about, and you had a lot of uh, good experience and advice to give. So, okay, go ahead. I interrupted, but Bigger Pockets. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys are, are really cool and symbiotic in a lot of ways. I, re- I like the way you're taking uh, what you guys are trying to accomplish with your um, – uh, you, the stuff that you're doing with the podcast, I think um, there's a lot of value there. And so, I mean, it, it's easy to focus on the investor who has 300 properties and forget about the people just starting out. And uh, I think it's the people just starting out that need to help more. So I agree. I, I just remember that feeling, and I'm sure we all do. If you think back, you you just feel overwhelmed and, and insignificant and your questions, you know, they're dumb. And so you're afraid to ask. So I'm trying to, yeah, exactly. Those are the people I want to reach because it's, it's a, it's a tough, scary kind of a first step type of a feeling. So, yeah. So VegasDigs.com, bigger pockets. I can find you on there for sure. Anywhere else, anything else you want to, you want to let people know in terms of getting a hold of you or is that, that works. You bet. Uh, there's one last thing. I host a monthly meetup the last week of the month in uh, the Henderson suburbs, and 
Uh, if you're local, uh, check it out. You can look me up and I'll send you the info. And if you're popping into town and want to hear about uh, the local market here when you're on vacation, uh, you're welcome to stop by as well. Um, and one last uh, tip, if you're getting started in real estate, go check out a local meetup or a real estate investor group. They're usually happy to uh, give you good info. Yeah, that's a great tip too. And I, I think that not enough people do that. So I love it. I love that tip. Go to a meetup and talk to people. That's awesome. You're not going to learn you know, any better than talking to the people who are in the area. No. So I absolutely love that. Um, Phil, it's been really fun having you on the show. I really appreciate your time and your insight and uh, you know, trudging through some of the dumb questions that I have as a, as a newbie <laughs> rental guy here. So uh, I, I know that I'll be contacting you and staying in contact with you and, and picking your brain from time to time if that's okay. And hopefully my, my listeners are going to get a hold of you and, and tell you that they need you to you know, take a look at their portfolio of, of 100 houses in Vegas that they want you to manage. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that too. Well, if that happens, I'll take you out to dinner when you come to town. I will. I'll come to town just for the dinner. So don't don't right. don't tempt me. <laughs> I, I don't need much reason to go to Vegas, and you just right gave on. me more than I needed. <laughs> cool, Mike. Well, right. thanks again for the opportunity, and uh, it was a lot of fun. All right, man. I appreciate it very much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Before we go today, I wanted to remind you to go to our sponsor at JustStartRealEstate.com forward slash rent prep. When you go there and enter the promo code just start, you will receive their landlord form bundle for free. Also, when you use the promo code just start, you will receive 10% off of all of their screening products. So go there today, check them out and enter the promo code just start. Please also be sure to sign up for my mailing list and I will send you the top five resources I think every real estate investor should know about. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start.